Well, good morning. My name is Eddie. I am one of the pastors here at Grace, and it's so good to see you, especially if you're a guest. Thank you so much for coming, and I hope that you've been welcomed, that you feel welcome, that you feel comfortable, maybe cozy. Hopefully none of our our, uh, trees will attack you. But seriously, our team is amazing. They work tirelessly to make this place look amazing. This doesn't stay up. We, we took it down and we put it back up and we took it down and we put it back up. So uh, if, everyone just give our, our decor team and everyone who makes this possible a round of applause. They work hard. It's good. Well, we're getting close, right? We're getting close to Christmas time. Some of us are thinking a little bit too close. Need a little bit more, but, but here we are. Everyone look to your neighbor and say, you made it. You're at church. You made it. You're here. You don't have to say all of that. You can. But I'm just so happy that you're here. I recognize that it is tough to get to church on Sundays. It is tough when your kids are they're eagerly awaiting their gifts and, and they're off their rhythms. School is not happening or if they're just sleeping because they're adolescents and all the hormones have sucked the energy out of their souls. Um, whatever the case may be, I'm just so glad that you guys are here. Well, I, I just want to take a quick moment before we get into the sermon to remember that, that tomorrow is Christmas Eve. That's going to be fun and exciting, right? And so we as a church have been really thinking and praying and believing expectantly that God is going to meet us in a unique way and meet our, our friends, our family, our community in a unique way. So I want to take a quick moment, pull out your phone or wherever you have that list of people that you've been praying for, that hopefully by now you've invited them. If not, you've got a day, you've got tomorrow, you've got really till 6, well, till 5.45 if they live nearby, to invite them to church. Don't make them feel like they're on the B list, though. Do it sooner than later. Uh, and I want to take a moment, and I'm just going to pray. So everybody stand up. Let's kind of, we're going to stand up as a way of expressing our, our solidarity to believe that God is going to do something in this moment, right? I'm going to pray. You got your people. You got the names in front of you. Let's do that. Father God, you are great. We celebrate your provision in Jesus Christ. And we pray that tomorrow that people would encounter Christ in a unique, personal, and powerful way. That you would be the intersection of their heart and, and the truth that's presented. And Lord, we pray that, that they'd come, that the way to get here would be smooth, that the, the preparation would be easy, that all the things, the trappings around it would be uh, in, in order, that the, the animals would not be in rebellion, that Frosty would show up on time, yes. that the, the worship would be uh, exemplary. But most of all, God, we want you to be glorified. We want people to see and experience how great you are. So Lord God, we're excited and we extend our faith and we say, God, be glorified tomorrow. God, be glorified in in the lives and the hearts of the people around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can, uh, you can be seated. You're going to have to stand up again in a second. But All right. Well, over the past few weeks, we've been going through this series on the fruit of the Spirit. And today, we're going to take a moment to uh, put that on pause. And we're going to talk about Christmas. Now, we've been talking about Christmas and the Incarnation and Emmanuel. But, but here, we're going to look at a specific story of a man who was looking for Jesus, a man named Simeon. Uh, 
and he was, he was looking for and, and saw Jesus for who he was, the promised Savior. Now, before we get into the Simeon story, I want to give you a warning. Now, Christmas is a fun time, right? We've got, we've got decorations and, and lights and nutcrackers, which, why? But sure, okay. We've got, uh, we've got snow or fake snow. You know, we've got uh, uh, peace on earth and joy and um, holly and pine cones because that's fun. Why not? But we've got all the trappings of Christmas, You've probably been to a couple parties. You've worn an ugly sweater or two. There's a whole industry now around ugly sweaters. Uh, they're, not, they're more I- I- ironic than ugly at this point, but I'm, I'm into that. That's cool. And, and it's a weird time because we're also celebrating legitimately the, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we've got, we've got Frosty the Snowman. You know, we've got uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And we've got the incarnate Son of God. Amen. You know, the second person of the Trinity. Uh, God, who created the universe, holds it in being, and, and came to earth, right? So we've got do-do-do-do, we're doing dance, and grave, deep reality, right? We've got um, the miracle of the virgin birth, pretty amazing. And we've got the 2009 Hallmark TV classic, Mrs. Miracle with James Vanderbeek, right? This is, a rea- this is real. I didn't have to write this joke. It just wrote itself. It's a strange time. It's a strange juxtaposition. I just want to step back and re- realize that, that we're in a dangerous place because this stuff over here, it's very flashy. James Vanderbeek is a handsome man. The plot line to that story is immaculate. No, it's not. But, but in all of the... I'm losing you guys. In all of the, the trappings of Christmas, in all of the efforts to prepare, I, I didn't mention it, but stress is over here too. And all the stress, and all the family dynamics. Dynamics is a gentle way of saying pain, right? We can miss the point that God became a person, right? So I I just want to take a minute and pause and just remember, I love baby Jesus. I love the manger. I love whatever this plant is supposed to be. Um, I love the candles and all the trappings, but remember, this is all pointing to something greater. So let's, let's listen to Luke. We're going to read in, out of Luke chapter 2, and let's listen to Luke on his terms, okay? Um, Luke isn't, uh, one more introductory remark. Luke is not telling us a story t- so that we can create this year's Hallmark Classic. He's telling us a story as a part of a larger testimony of the fact that God has invaded our reality, and that he has demands for our life, and he has promises for our life, and they all culminate in the person, Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's get out of your Bibles. Uh, You can go ahead and stand up at this point again. And we're going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32, with a focus on 25 through 27. We're going to read all the way through, just for the sake of context. 
Ready? Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed him, said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Father God, we thank you that we have in Simeon an example of one who looked for and saw Jesus for who he was. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes, open up our spiritual eyes to see Jesus, not as a man, not as a a figure in history, not as a, a holiday tradition, but as the person to whom we ought to devote our lives and who we need most of all. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. As a side note, I am not saying anything about frosty or silly movies or, you know, do it, do it, do it, do it. But let's, let's be thoughtful in how we do it. So here, um, Luke is telling us about Simeon, and I want to consider four things that, that Luke finds to be important. He, he tells us a very little bit of information about this guy, so the information that he gives, it's significant. In verse 25, he says that Simeon is righteous and he is devout. It says that uh, he listens to the Holy Spirit, as we'll see, and ultimately he's looking for Jesus. So he's righteous, he's devout, he's listening, and he's looking. First of all, Simeon is righteous. If we look in verse 25, we're introduced to Simeon, this, this guy who's he's in Jerusalem. We don't know much about him. We can assume that he's probably an Israelite because he, he knows the law. It says that he, he believes and he's waiting for what? The consolation of Israel. That's terminology that kind of harkens back to the, uh, the prophetic literature of the Old Testament. And so, but he, it says that he is righteous. Simeon was a man who, who was familiar with the law. He was obedient to God, right? Righteousness is this idea of, of here's the law, here's the standard by which we ought to live, and living according to that standard, standard, or at least living according to that standard, and where you fail, making retribution or, or fulfilling whatever is required to, to fill the gap, and, and living to that standard. It's not to say that he was perfect or he was absolutely complete, but he was pursuing God in obedience toward him. He knew the law of God, um, and he knew the scriptures. But not only uh, is he familiar, he's obedient to them, and he's seeking to honor God, but, but he's, uh, he's seeking to honor God. Now, sometimes when we think of righteousness, especially when we think about it in, in the Bible, and just it's one of those words with a lot of baggage. And if you come from certain traditions, it's kind of been beat over your head, righteousness. And there's this sort of vertical dimension that, that this is what it is. My relationship with God, my relationship with God, whether or not I have done what's right, whether or not I've obeyed. And that's absolutely true. Our righteousness, the righteousness of Simeon was first and foremost a righteousness with regard to God. 
God is the lawgiver. God is the standard. God is the judge. He is the one to whom Simeon has to give an account. And so he is the one who holds uh, Simeon accountable. But when we think about righteousness, we don't want to just keep it strictly here. Because the reality is this kind of righteousness, vertical righteousness, has a horizontal aspect to it. And, and oftentimes, we want to focus on this one to the detriment of this. You know, I, I, can't, I can't do the dishes. I've got to pray. I can't be kind to my spouse. I've got to go to this Bible study meeting, and I'm late. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. Right? Vertical righteousness needs to reflect itself in this horizontal relationship. Relationships are the place where righteousness happens or where we realize that righteousness doesn't happen. If you're married, you know that to be true. I thought I was awesome when I was in college. I was, I was a Christian. I prayed a lot. I hung out with my friends. We, we played guitar and we sang songs and we were awesome. And I got married and I realized I'm a jerk. Now, that's... Amen. Who was that? We're having a church plant to Denver. And some are going forcefully. No, I'm just kidding. No, the reality is my relationships and our relationships are geared towards our holiness, our righteousness. That's, that's one of the misconceptions of marriage is we go in and we think, this person's going to make me so happy. And then you get married and you're like, this person's making me miserable. And God's like, exactly. Right? That's, that's what I intended because you're a selfish person. We're all selfish. So I'm throwing mud just up in the air and we're all getting hit. Okay? But righteousness is something that ought to reflect not, this vert- not just this vertical, but a horizontal. And, and in fact, I would say that this kind of righteousness gives you a measure of this kind of righteousness. We can all say the right things and memorize the right things. And in fact, the Pharisees, they were really good at those things. But the reality was there was no love there for the people of God. There was no love there for the lost. I come back to this often. I know I've said it before, but in John chapter 13... Jesus says this, John 13, 35. He says, they will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. That, every time I think about that, that shocks me. Because there were people who had memorized, not just verses, but they've memorized the Old Testament. There were people who had, had written theological tomes. There were people who, who would spend hours in prayer, who would sacrifice money, energy, time, all of these things, and yet Jesus says, you know what? Do you love one another? And the reality is, it's way harder to love people who are difficult to love than it is to memorize Scripture. Not to say that memorizing Scripture is important, but it's a means toward a greater end. And so we see here that Simeon is righteous. And in those, that small account, we know that he had an orientation towards God and he had an orientation towards the people. 
And we see that in the fact that he was waiting for what? The consolation of what? Israel. He wasn't waiting just for his own thing. He wasn't seeking God for just his own thing. He was waiting, God, when are you going to redeem your people? And when we get a real sense of the righteousness of God, it will force us to care about the people of God. Yes. Not, just, not just our own life, not just our own efforts, not, our, not, not just our own uh, situation, though God does legitimately care about those things, but he wants us to open our eyes and see the things around us. Yeah. Real righteousness expresses itself horizontally. Yeah. And Simeon was righteous, but not only was he righteous, he was also devout. It says the same thing in, in verse 25. He was a righteous and devout. Now that word devout, it just it means reverent. He was a man who, who understood the gravity of God. He, he didn't take lightly the words of God. He didn't take lightly the promises of God, right? We go back to this idea of waiting on the consolation of Israel. And the, surely there were people in his time who had read Isaiah, who had read some of these promises and thought, well, that'll happen when it happens or it won't. I don't know. And for them, it, it wasn't even very much of a reality. The Bible didn't have bearing on their life. But for, for Simeon, he was searching out the scriptures and he was looking and he was devoted to the word of God. He was asking, he was thinking, he was praying, he was preparing himself. You get a sense that, that he, there was a center of God and he's kind of, he, he's just going around it and he's trying to see it from different angles and see and, and figure out how is, gonna, how, how is God going to accomplish what he promised. Right? We see in Genesis chapter 3, when, when God is pronouncing the, the judgment on Adam and Eve, he, he makes this promise that the, the seed or the offspring of the woman is going to crush the head of the, the offspring of the serpent. And this is what we call the, the proto-gospel, the, the proto-euangelion. And it's the first gospel presentation. And from then on, the rest of the Old Testament is, is this arc of God's preparing his people for a redemption to come. Right? We see in the prophets that, that there needs to be a better prophet, someone who speaks on behalf of God. We see in the kings in, in, and in the judges that we need a better king and a better judge who is able to judge righteously, who is able to overcome and, and really bring his people into obedience. We see in the prophets that, that we need someone who can actually speak and change not just the, the, the actions of the people around him, but the hearts of the people around him. Right? And so Simeon, was, he was searching the scriptures and he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. He was righteous and he was devout. He was a worshipful man. He went to the temple. We, we find him in the temple and perhaps we, we could say, and, and this, this may be speculation, but we, we could say perhaps he just happened because he was listening to the Holy Spirit and he didn't normally go to the temple, but he felt, you know, God saying, go to the church today. Okay, well, I'll go to church today, but that wasn't his normal routine. But more likely... He was listening to the Holy Spirit and finding himself in the temple often. More likely, his devotion was expressed in his presence in the temple. And, and so he was a devout man. Our devotion ought to express itself in these outward types of actions. Not to say that they are defining our devotion, but they are outward expressions of God, our heartfelt devotion toward God. He was devoted. And because of that, he was also um, in, in addition to that, he was also listening. He'd been listening to God. Look at verse 26 with me. 
And it, had been re- and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was out his prime. We don't, we don't actually know. I was just making a joke. But it seems like he, he might be older. Because he goes on to say in verse 29, Now, Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace. And that's not the kind of language you'd hear for someone who's young and still has a lot of time to live. So he was at least 31 or 32. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, he, he, he was listening to the Holy Spirit. So he was devout, he was righteous, and he was listening. And, and he wasn't listening to other things. Now for us, sometimes we're like, I can't hear God. And the reality is, I'm listening to too many other things. Yeah. You know, it's Twitter, or it's Facebook, or it's whatever else I don't know. <laughs> but it, there, there's so many different ways for us to fill our lives with things that drown out the voice of God. And my challenge to you is that sometimes we drown it out because we legitimately know that the voice of God is going to deal with our heart. And we're like, I don't want to hear that today. I'm tired. I'm just going to listen to music. And music may not be bad within and of itself, though much of it is terrible. <laughs> but, but we look to music or, or social media or the news, which is... You know, why do you need to know half of the stuff that's on the, on the news? Um, we, we pursue those things, not, not for our own edification or benefit, but because we want to not hear the voice of God. Now, Simeon, he was listening. He was listening. That, that manifested itself in him hearing God speak through his word, identifying the promises of God. Again, there were other people who had the Bible. There were other people who... We, we, we could probably assume that, that the Holy Spirit was speaking to who weren't listening. But Simeon was listening. He was righteous, devout, and waiting for the consolation of Israel. When we consider the first two points, righteous and devout, we might be tempted to walk away and think, okay, I need to be more righteous, I need to, I need to be more devout, and I need to listen harder. And that's true. Right? It's, it's appropriate to say that you and I, we need to grow in our righteousness. It's appropriate to say you and I need to be more devoted to Christ. No one in this room is going to say, well, you know, uh, I think I've reached 100% devotion to God. And if you do say that, you are lying or, you know, unaware of your own soul. The reality is we do need to grow in that. But, but that's not the point the point of, of this section is not to say, look at Simeon. He was so righteous. He was so voted. Go and be like him. It, it's to say he was righteous, he was devoted, and look at what he was looking for. He was listening, and he was waiting, and he was looking for Jesus. In verse 27, it says this, and he came into, in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law he took him up in his arms and blessed God and he he goes on to say Lord you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation for that you have prepared in the presence of all your peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel 
He was looking for Jesus. Again, he's in the temple. And let's just disregard the weird part where he just grabs the baby and we don't really know how that was cool or not cool or I don't know. The Bible doesn't address it. Luke seems cool with it, so we're just going to be cool with it. But, but consider, we're in the temple. There are people, maybe there are other babies, and, and there's a lot going on. And Simeon just goes, whoop, and sees Jesus. Or whoop, this is not the holy side or this side. Jesus can be anywhere. But we're just going to say, right now, this is where Jesus is. I'm Simeon. He sees Jesus, and he it's the salvation. It's the consolation of Israel. It's, it's the end of my long life. The ultimate uh, goal of my life. The purpose for which I am here. My devotion, my righteousness, all of this is right here. He is it. And he sees. Now what's crazy is that there were other people in this. Again, I'm making some assumptions and perhaps that's not the case. Maybe it was absolutely empty, but I doubt it. That, that there were other people in the temple who didn't see Jesus, even though wow. they saw Jesus. Now, this is why I said we're in a dangerous time, because everyone sees Jesus right now. Right? We, we just watched the, the, the Grinch, the new Grinch, which is really great, and it's a lot less dark than the other Grinches. It has uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, and it's good. Uh, those are two independent statements. I, didn't, I don't know that it's good because of him. In any case... It's good. And in it, there, there are some hymns that are sung, and you're like, they talked about Jesus. But everyone in the, in the theaters, I don't want to be a curmudgeon or anything, but most of the people in, in the theaters are not you know, watching the movie, and then all of a sudden they say Christ, and like, oh, praise God! I see the significance of Christmas now. Wow. now most of them are like, this is a pretty funny story. You know, yeah. Look at that dog. He's a goofy dog. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they don't see Jesus for who he is your coworkers, maybe your family, your friends. And, and what Simeon, what Luke is trying to do here is to say, look at Simeon and look at what Simeon is looking at. He's looking at the consolation of Israel. He sees his purpose, his life, his goal in Jesus Christ. And because of it, he worships. It says he blesses God, and he has this kind of hymn. If you read the first few chapters of, of Luke, you see that there are other people who sing hymns. And so perhaps this is, a, this is a hymn that he sings. Simeon was righteous, yes. He was devoted, yes. He was listening, yes. But most of all, he was looking for a savior. See, this is, this is my encouragement to you. Don't, don't do what could be done in this message, which is to hear this and say, well, Pastor Eddie said Simeon was righteous. Pastor Eddie said he was devoted. So I'm just going to work harder this week to be righteous and devoted. And I'm not saying that that's a bad in- inclination. Yeah. But if that's where you stop, that's a bad inclination. Yeah. What I'm saying is Simeon was righteous. He was devoted. He was listening. And he was looking at the one person whom God had prepared from all eternity to be our savior. To be the one to to take away our sin. To be the one to die in our place for our sins. To be the one to bear the punishment and the wrath of God on our behalf. To be the one to give us eternal life. To be the one to give us wholeness and fullness and restoration. To be the one to 
allow the Holy Spirit to indwell us so that we might walk and become more righteous, to be the one to, to help us to see the light so that we might correctly orient our life well, to be the one who is ultimately righteous, to be the one who is ultimately devoted to the Father, and to be the one who ultimately listened to the Father to such a degree that he obeyed 100% without fail. This is not about Simeon. This is about who Simeon saw. This Christmas season, 2019, you have the opportunity. God beckons you. Jesus beckons you. Luke beckons you to see Jesus. Open your eyes and see him. Not as some guy, not as some baby in a manger, a white baby in a manger with white people, because, but to see him as, yes, the baby, but, but as, as Pastor David said last week, the author who jumped into his own book, the infinite who became an infant. This is God. And this is God for you. This is your God. This is the God who God, the Father promised would come so that we might come and have real fellowship, real relationship with him so that this horizontal righteousness might exist and ultimately be expressed in this vertical, or vertical and horizontal. You get what I'm saying. This morning, my question is, what are you waiting for this Christmas season? Are you waiting for it just to end? And if you are, I'm, I'm with you to some degree. You're just like, you know, holding on for dear life. Like, 26, come on! We're gonna get there. All right. Or are you waiting for the thing to change it's at your, your office? Are you, are you waiting for the relationship to get fixed or that person to, to, to say they were wrong and you were right? Are you waiting for something in your body to, to, to get changed? And I'm not saying that any of this is wrong, but, but let me encourage you, there's something bigger to wait for. Something that, that extends far above and beyond any of these things that will eclipse them, that will put them all in their own right context. And that's Jesus. Who are you looking forward to? Christmas time is crazy. It's hectic. Um, and, and we can miss it completely. But let me encourage you. It, Jesus loves you. God loves you. Just hear that right now. God loves you. And you feel stressed or tense or nervous about this season if you feel those things, God loves you. And he wants you to see Jesus, not because that's a duty, but because he wants it to be a delight. Yes. It's a delight that makes duty possible. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We pray that you would help us to see him more clearly this year than we ever have in this Christmas season. Lord, let us celebrate with abandon. Let us sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in our car with abandon. But ultimately, let us remember that this is all to an end, and that end is to see and appreciate and worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the, the consolation of Israel, the, the promised one who would save the Gentiles. Lord God, we love you. And we thank you and we pray that you would help us to see him more clearly. Help, him to, help us to love him more fully. Help us to make him the person for whom we wait. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.